0: Well, today we're beginning a new message series which I've entitled, My Salvation. We're going to be talking about, guess what, what the Bible teaches about the topic of salvation. Now, the Greek word for salvation is soteria, which means salvation, deliverance, preservation, and released. And so, to be saved is to be rescued, delivered, kept safe, or preserved. Now... Oftentimes when we think of salvation, we just think theologically or biblically about it. So I, just for fun, typed into Google the phrase saved from and saw what came up. So I saw a bunch of news stories. The first one uh, said saved from fire. The second one was saved from a scammer. And the third one was toddler saved from a bear. Well, that sounded really I actually didn't go to it, but uh, I was busy. But let's think more carefully about what salvation or being saved means, because really what it, what it means in our normal English language is really has a lot to do with what it means in the Bible. Uh, so we'll begin to illustrate with the situation of the toddler saved from a bear. So it begins with a person, a toddler, who has a problem, and this problem Uh, is a dangerous problem. It's a a bear that's put them in danger. And so the toddler couldn't save themselves from the bear, so somebody had to come, somebody had to rescue them and save them uh, from this danger, from this problem, bear. And the rescuer brought them out of danger and saved them. And so salvation in the Bible has a very similar meaning. Every person on this planet has a problem that puts them in danger. And that problem is sin. Sin separates a person from God and puts them in danger of God's wrath. First first we want to look at is 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 9. And these verses are written out in the white page in the middle of your bulletin. It has an outline there that you can keep uh, notes on as well and fill in the blanks so you can look at it later. Oftentimes our life groups will use the message study guide on the back with questions uh, to discuss. And you can also do those in your personal Bible study as well. This verse says, for God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. So in this verse, we see the danger, God's wrath that comes on those who sin and the rescuer, Jesus Christ, who who came to save us. Now, we must be careful here because Jesus doesn't automatically save everyone, but he has a plan that makes it possible for everyone to be saved But each person must cooperate with that plan. They must take an action in order to be saved. And as we go through this series, we're going to talk about the plan and how people are saved. But as we look at the Bible, the, the topic of salvation is, I believe, the most important topic in all the Bible and in the Bible. In fact, the Bible is really about salvation, from Genesis all the way through Revelation. And the problem that we see today is that many people think there are a multitude of ways or plans that lead to salvation. Multitude of ways that lead to a relationship with God. There are many people who think they are saved, but but they are not. And if you think you are saved, but you are not, you are still in grave danger. You still have this problem that puts you in danger. Proverbs 14 verse 12 says, There is a way that seems right to a man but the end is a way to death. And so people have all kinds of ideas about God. They have all kinds of ideas about salvation that seem right to them. But they lead to death. Acts 4.12 says, And there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Speaking of Jesus, the name of of Jesus Christ. There is only one escape from the sin problem, and there is only one Savior. And so in this series, we're going to get a better understanding of salvation both for ourselves and so that we can explain it to other people in a way that they can understand, in a way that they can comprehend. And today we're going to talk about why salvation. Now, if someone doesn't realize they have a problem, if they don't realize they are in danger, they're not going to seek to be saved. And so today we're going to talk about the need for salvation that everyone has. Since everyone has sinned, we all need salvation through Jesus Christ. And so let's begin with the problem that puts each and every person on the face of this planet in danger. And sin is our problem. Sin is the problem of mankind. Now what is sin? The Greek word for sin literally means missing the mark. It's as if you're an archer and you're shooting for a target and your arrow misses the target, missing the mark, missing where it's supposed to go. And the mark for us is how God created and instructed us to live. He created us with a plan in mind and we are to live that plan. And sin is when we deviate from God's plan for our lives. And so the basic problem of sin is revealed in the very first pages of the Bible. Adam and Eve were created by God. They lived in the Garden of Eden, a perfect place. They lived in a relationship with God. They walked with God. They talked with God. Uh, It was a paradise on earth. And they soon learned that giving in to temptation is sin. Genesis 3 verse 4 says, But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Now the background to this verse is that God had given Adam and Eve instructions when they were in the garden. And there was one thing they weren't supposed to do. They were commanded not to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You can eat from every other tree in the garden, but that's one tree you should not eat from. And God said, if you eat from that tree, you will surely die. Now the serpent, who the rest of the scripture uh, tells us is Satan, he contradicts God's word. He says, there's not going to be any consequences. You're not going to die. In fact, you're going to be like God. And so temptation always contradicts God's word. Temptation always contradicts God's instructions to us. And it seems to be attractive. In this case, the temptation was to be like God, knowing good and evil. And when temptation comes, it can be either resisted or given in to. Well, we know what happened. At verse 6, so when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. And so the fruit of this tree seemed good, seemed like it would be something good to eat. It was something beautiful to look at with her eyes, and it, would satisfy the desire to be like God, to satisfy the desire to to, uh, be proud and prideful. And so she ate of the tree. She gave some to her husband, and Adam saw the same things his wife did. He undoubtedly wanted to please his wife more than he wanted to obey God, and so he ate from the fruit from the tree as well. And so that very first temptation had been given into and the results of that original sin still reverberate throughout our world today because sin brought judgment and sin brings judgment today as well. After Adam and Eve sinned, God came to them and spoke to them in verse 16 and said to the woman, he said, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing. In pain, you shall bring forth children, Your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. And so God announced to Eve first the judgment or curse that came upon her as a result of her sin. She would have pain in birthing children, and that sin would damage her relationship with her husband. God also spoke to Adam, and he said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. And so as Adam had listened to Eve rather than God, and sinned as well, God announces the judgment on him. As pain came to Eve in the Her childbearing, so pain came to Adam in his work in the ground. And not only was Adam and his work cursed, but the ground itself was cursed because of Adam's sin. Ultimately, Adam would die and return to the dust as that curse obviously also applied to Eve as well. As the story continues in Genesis chapter 3, Adam and Eve were then banished from the garden. They were banished from the presence of God. They no longer enjoyed that close relationship with God. Sin brought judgment. Sin had brought uh, and broken the relationship of Adam and Eve with God. That first sin is often called the fall. It impacts every person who's ever lived on this planet. In fact, it impacts our entire universe. Sin is our problem That we need saving from. Now although Adam and Eve were the very first sinners. Each one of us has followed in their footsteps. We've all yielded to sin in one way or another. Uh, Sin brought God's judgment into our world. And the consequences still exist today. Sin is the reason we no longer live in a perfect world. The perfect world that God has created. Everything in the world that is negative. The violence, the, the distress, the damage and so on is a result of sin. It didn't exist in the Garden of Eden before sin came in. Even the things we see in the natural sphere, such as natural catastrophes, uh, devastating weather, is a result of sin impacting the very physical aspects of the world that we live in. And of course, sin impacts people. Sin separates people from a relationship with God. It causes people to live Not under God's blessing, but under God's judgment, under God's wrath. It causes people to do bad things to one another. It's all a result of sin. And so the problem of sin is not just an issue about where people spend eternity. It does directly impact that as well. But it impacts our lives each and every day as we live it impacts every aspect of the world. And so we need to be saved from the problem of sin both for this life and for eternity. Now everyone is guilty of sin. Romans 3:23 makes that very clear. It says for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There's not one person who has not sinned. Each one of us has given into temptation. And in this verse, God gives us another definition of sin. We said sin is missing the mark here. It says it's falling short of the glory of God. In fact, the glory of God is the mark. <laughs> That's the target that we're supposed to hit. And we fall short of that target. God's glory, it's the state of, of, of living and keeping with the way God created us to live. In fact, we have a picture of God Living in God's glory. And that picture was Adam and Eve in the garden before the fall. Living in the glory of God. Walking and talking with God. Enjoying a perfect place that God had created them to live in. But all have sinned. All fall short of the glory of God. And as everyone is guilty of sin, then nobody is righteous. Romans 3.10 says, it is written, none is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks God. All have turned aside together. They have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. So not only have all sinned, but no one is righteous. No one does good. No one seeks God. No one understands. In fact, these verses tell us that sin mars the image of God that God created us in. Sin makes a person worthless in that state of unrighteousness. God is our creator. He's instructed us how to live. We are accountable to God. Everyone is accountable to God. Verse 19 says, Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world may be held accountable to God. For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. So everyone is accountable to God. The law is God's word. Now for Adam and Eve, what was the law? It was God's instructions. You shall not eat from this tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That was God's law to them. The law for us is written in the pages of Scripture. You might say it may be summarized in the Ten Commandments, but we have lots of instructions from God in the Scripture. And the law makes it clear what sin is. You shall not murder. Murder is sin if you transgress that commandment. Jesus expanded or taught us the true meaning of that command, that instruction. If you hate your brother in your heart, you have transgressed the commandment to not murder. Now, why is that? If you truly hate somebody in your heart, and there were no consequences, what would you do? You'd get away. You do away with that person, right? You don't want to deal with them anymore. So it's, in fact, hating another person is you are guilty of the sin of murder. And so when we carefully look at God's word and God's instructions to us, when we examine then our own lives, we see that we all break God's law in many ways. In the Garden of Eden, how many sins did it take to break their relationship with God? Just one sin. Just eating one little fruit, that's all it took. Just one transgression of the law, that is sin. And that one sin separates a person from the presence of God, both in this life and for eternity. And so we're all accountable to God. And He, as a judge, declares each one of us, Guilty of sin. And so the first thing that a person has to understand to move towards salvation is their own sin. If a a person doesn't see their sin as a problem, as a problem that puts them in danger, then they're not going to seek to be saved from it. And people resist acknowledging they're guilty of sin and need to be saved oftentimes. The natural human inclination is to compare. We tend to compare ourselves to somebody else, and the person we compare ourselves to is, is normally a much worse sinner than we think we are. So, well, I'm not nearly as bad as person X, and so I must be okay. I'm a much better person than them, and then surely God's going to accept me the way I am because hey, I'm, I'm better than a lot of people. I'm just, I'm just truly a nice person. I'm truly a good person. And yet that manner of thinking isn't really helpful. The the issue is not whether a person has sinned more or less than somebody else. The issue is whether you have sinned. And the answer to that question is yes or no. And the Bible says the answer is always yes. (laughs) That all have sinned. So everybody has to answer that question, have you sinned, with the answer yes, if they're being truthful. And so even the smallest of sins separates a person from God and heads somebody to an eternal destiny Without him in a place called hell. And that is the, the danger, the mortal danger that each and every person on this planet faces. Now how many people believe they are going to hell? People ask the question in polls. You know, How many people in America believe they are going to hell? And it's almost immeasurable. Uh, it's like less than 1%, a half of a percent think that, yeah, I'm probably going to go to hell. Nobody thinks, everybody thinks they're going to heaven. But Jesus tells us the majority of people are not headed to heaven. They're headed towards the other place. The solution to the problem of sin is not trying to be good enough for God. Because we can't be good enough for God. Why? Because we've all sinned. And even if you've only sinned once, which is impossible, but let's just say you only sinned once, When you were five years old and you said no to your mother, your eternal destiny is set. Unless there's a rescuer, unless somebody comes and saves you from that sin problem. We've already been found guilty of sin. It's too late to try to be good enough to earn our way to heaven. Sin traps people. Uh, Sin is... Is insidious. It's it's not simply something you randomly decide to do. Sin entraps people. Each person becomes addicted to sin. You become trapped in a cage of sin. People become controlled by sin. Ephesians 2 says, For you were dead, now he's speaking to Christians here, you once were dead, in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of the world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work, And the sons of disobedience. So spiritually speaking, people who are not yet saved are dead in their sins. And if their sin problem is not dealt with, they will eventually die physically, as we all will. And enter into an eternal state of death. And as there was the presence of the serpent in the garden... And we read other places in Scripture, the serpent was Satan himself manifesting as a serpent. So today the serpent is still active, and in this verse, Satan is called the Prince of the power of the air. Satan is a very real spirit that works in people, tempts people, in fact, controls people who do not have a relationship with God. And those who are controlled by sin are called the sons of disobedience, because what is sin? And in its essence is simply disobedience to God's commands, disobedience to God's instructions. And no one can break free from the cords of sin on their own. We need a rescuer. We need a savior. Not only are people outwardly controlled by sin, people are filled with sin. Romans 1 goes on to say, And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, speaking of unbelievers, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and maliciousness. And so when people refuse to acknowledge God in their lives, when they follow their own plans... God allows their minds to become debased or, or depraved. And the more that people give in to sin, the more they are filled with all kinds of unrighteousness. And the more they are filled with sin, the more they become controlled by Satan. And so it's a vicious downward spiral that leads people farther and farther away from God. Romans 1 verse 32 says, though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. So just as Adam and Eve, they knew God's command, but they made a decision to disobey. Each person today knows God's commands because they're written on their consciousness. I mean, people don't have to read the Bible to know it's wrong to kill somebody else. Everybody knows that. It's written on their conscience. But not only do people continue to sin, they they encourage others to sin as well. And I believe we're seeing more and more, rather than hiding your sin, encouragement of people to sin in our society today. And why do people encourage others to sin? Well, it makes you feel not so bad about your own sin if everybody else is doing it, right? So the more people that join me in this sin, the more I think it's okay and the more my conscience uh, does not bother me. Sin traps people with ever-strengthening cords of bondage. Now for those of us who are saved, it's it's easy to put people into boxes. And, And sometimes we do this. Sometimes I do this. It's like... This is a good person, and this is a bad person. You know, they do a lot of good things. And we don't use the biblical categories of saved or unsaved. We use the categories of good or bad. The person that you know that seems so nice and so good, but they want nothing to do with Jesus, nothing to do with his church, is just as much unsaved as the unrepentant murderer on death row. The person who goes to church every week but believes they're going to heaven because they're a good person is sadly mistaken. They're not saved because they're putting their faith, they're putting their hope in themselves. That I'm good enough that God's going to accept me into heaven. The sin of pride is just as much a problem as any other kind of sin. I'm better than most people, so I must be okay. The Bible teaches there are indeed degrees of sin And there are degrees of punishment in hell, but the degree of sin makes no difference whether you have a relationship with God or where you spend eternity. Sin traps people, and everybody needs to be rescued. And so each person on this planet has a problem. It's a serious problem. It's a fatal problem, and that problem is sin. The problem of sin impacts every aspect of our lives here and now, It dictates our eternal destiny apart from God. Everyone is guilty of sin. Everybody is accountable to our creator, to our creator God. And sin traps people with chains they cannot break by themselves. And so nobody can deal with their sin problem on their own. That's why we need a savior. We need a savior who has a plan to rescue us. And next Sunday we're going to talk about God's plan of salvation. But I don't want you to wait for next Sunday. So we're going to give you a quick view as we do every Sunday. A synopsis of what salvation is. I want to give you an opportunity to take the action you need to do to, to be saved. To be rescued. And it's not hard to do. But it's, it's a very important fundamental plan that you need to follow. None of us can be good enough to be saved. We all need God's forgiveness. And that's how God deals with the sin problem. That's how Jesus dealt with the sin problem. And so we need to, first of all, admit that we've sinned. We've already talked about it. Romans 3.23, everybody has sinned. We need to admit that we've sinned. We don't have to admit that we're the worst sinner on the face of the planet. We just have to admit we've, we've sinned. We haven't followed God's plan for our lives. Secondly, we need to believe that Jesus... Lived a perfect life. He never sinned. As the son of God. He died on the cross. Took the guilt of our sins upon himself. And paid the price. That we don't have to die. That our sins can be forgiven. He rose from the dead three days later. And we commit our lives to following him. As our Lord and Savior. And we put our faith. In Jesus as the one who rescues us. we put our faith in Jesus as the one who forgives our sins. And that's how God dealt with the sin problem. That's how we can take advantage of what Jesus did for us. But it doesn't happen automatically. It's a decision we have to make. We have to choose to believe to put our faith in Jesus Christ. So I'd like to ask everyone right now to bow your heads. We're going to pray. And if you've never committed your life to Jesus Christ in this way, and this is a a short synopsis of what the Bible teaches, if you've never done it before, perhaps you've done it in the past, but you want to recommit your life to Him this morning, I'd encourage you to pray along with me as well. Pray something like this in your own mind. God knows what your thoughts are and what the intent of your heart is. Pray something like this. Father, today I admit that I've sinned. I've broken your commands. I've broken your instructions. I haven't followed your plan for my life. I believe that Jesus died on the cross that my sins might be forgiven. I ask for your forgiveness. Forgive me. I turn away from my sin. I put my faith in Jesus. I believe he rose from the dead and is alive today. And I commit my life to following him As my Lord and Savior. Come into my life. I want to follow your plan. From this day forward. And for those of us who are believers. Let's pray this morning as well. Father we thank you for. How clear your word is about. The problem of sin. Forgive us for minimizing sin. In our own lives. And in the lives of those around us. Help us to understand that. And help others to understand. That you don't grade on a curve. It's pass fail. And we've all failed. We need you to rescue us from our failure, from our sin. May each of us be sure that our faith is resting, not on our own goodness, but in our Savior, Jesus Christ. Forgive us, God, for the times that we don't want to talk frankly with those we know about their problem of sin. Give us words to say. We pray that the Holy Spirit would convict those who don't know you yet of their sin. So they realize the danger they're in and that they're going to seek you. That they're going to seek Jesus to be their rescuer, to be their savior. We pray that they would turn to you and put their faith in Jesus. Help us to have a compassion for those who do not yet know you, those who are trapped in sin, help us to pray for those who are lost, who are not saved, who are in grave danger. But give us the word to say that would not condemn people, but to lead them to the truth, lead them to salvation in Jesus Christ. In his name we pray, amen.